What up? This is Yinkadez. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Baby Podcast. And on today's episode, we've got to put you up for the sophomore album from De La Soul, entitled De La Soul is Dead, released May 14th, 1991, which was about 30 years ago. 30 years ago in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. And uh, this episode or this album was suggested to us by our, our special guest returning to the podcast yet again. Say what's up to the people, Mr. Panama Jackson. What's going on? How y'all doing? Glad to be back. <laughs> Glad to have you back. And uh, we missed the De La Soul is Dead week, right? That was that was last week. I think we're, we're catching the wave a little a, a little later. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, that's all right. There's always it's always a good time to talk about De La Soul and De La Soul is Dead. Facts. Okay. Well, uh, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, uh, why don't you just share with with us some of the things that you talked about? Because did you did you you didn't post an, an article on this every single week, did you? No, no. So I my initial every plan, single day. Yeah, yeah. My initial plan was to write an article uh, write an article about this album, probably three or four articles. I ended up writing two, um, only mm. because of life caught up with me on something else I had to work on. So, <laughs> but I, I wrote an article where I talked about. De La Soul is Dead being the first album I ever fell in love with. And then I wrote wow. an article that was an ode to Vinny and Mojica. Uh, I think I, I titled it like an ode to Vinny Mojica because it's a good day to give flowers or something like that. Because right, right. she's somebody who there's not nearly enough information about online. That's, who's also yeah, for sure. intentionally perhaps pretty reclusive. Uh, doesn't really mm, do any so. any interviews. I think the last interview I could find yeah. that existed, I couldn't actually find it, was from like 2012. Um, but I've always loved her contributions to all these songs. Like there's no there, there's no native tongue sound without her as part of it. So okay, yep. you know, I decided to to give her give her some flowers. Okay, oh. okay. Plus that way, if uh, she ever decides to Google herself, my article will pop up, and if she wants to do an interview, <laughs> maybe she'll be like, you know what, this guy seems to get it. Maybe I'll reach out to him to do an interview. <laughs> That's dope. That's well, dope. she she also got some flowers on our uh, our our high tech episode. She did. We were we were shouting her out for that that Sun God uh, uh, appearance. She she murdered that and the the most deaf record. Yep. Yeah, yeah. For uh, for Klein yeah. with most deaf. I love that record. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, uh, so like I said, this is a Put You Up, and this is an album that Yinka and I were just hearing for the first time this past two weeks. And the reason why is because you can't find De La Soul's music on Spotify. It's not available. But, but because this is probably one of Panama's favorite albums, he happens to have not just this one, but their entire catalog, correct? This one. But we'll talk about that. This one? It's going to come up. <laughs> <All right. laughs> All right, and so he shared with us the album. So you know, because of Panama, we were able to listen to this, and yeah. Um, so you know, where were you? <laughs> was just this last week. So yeah. Um, I so I I think I'd like to hear Panama's because I, I actually have heard this album before. You have, but um, okay. I have. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll do mine. So my my where were you? I was back in Cali. Um, you know, I think it was kind of still Dilla mania. I want to say maybe Dilla had recently passed. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, uh, every once in a while, you know, you kind of get these like hip hop hours where, you know, the DJ would come on and do some hippity hoppity shit. Right. You know, and so they're playing <laughs> classic Dilla and and they play Stakes is High. Yeah, Stakes right? is High, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with De La. I love a lot of their albums, but I hadn't heard stakes is high so I'm, I'm like okay well the, the album stakes is high yeah so i went back and listened to that album and i loved that album mm -hmm. and then i was like 
man, I haven't listened to the stuff before this album. Right. And so, you know, I went to attack, uh, to tackle the, the, the two albums, the first two. So, uh, What's, what's three feet high, 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 uh, three, three feet high and rising, yeah. right? And then and then this album. So I I heard both of those albums in the context of of, of that whole whole wave. But okay, Panama, where were you? <laughs> so I was in Frankfurt, Germany, in 1991 when this oh, album wow. dropped. So I was probably okay. 12 when this comes out. And like mm-hmm. all good stories in life, it all started because of a young lady. I was right. on a trip to. <laughs> At, I couldn't I couldn't figure out if this is both the be, the end of the school year or the beginning of the school year and I, this album came comes out May 14th 91 so that would be the end of my school year mm-hmm. but I heard this okay. right because I was in Germany we got everything mad late you know like typically mm-hmm. you know you, yep. you you familiar with that overseas life right like right, movies show up right. six it's, months later um, especially at the time too right now yeah, you probably, would, yeah. now that yeah, the, that right, time delay is probably not as serious right. as it used to be it used to be that's a true. really really big thing. Right. Yeah. So waiting for the, the, the CD or the tape or whatever. So I'm guessing this probably happened towards the beginning of the school year where we would take this huge school trip to an amusement park or something like that. And this is middle school. And I was sitting next to a friend of mine, a young lady who I had a crush on because we were both the shortest people in school. Uh, <laughs> definitely the shortest people in like seventh grade, whatever. So we always got matched up together. We were friends anyway. You know, our family, we went to church together and all that kind of stuff. And she always had music with her. She had her Walkman. And I asked her what she was listening to. She was like, just listen. So she put the headphones on me and then she hit play and it's this album. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, Roller Skating Jam uh, called Saturday. Mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, named Saturday. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was that. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, man, what is this? So I asked her if I could just listen to this tape on this, I don't know, hour long, hour, two hour long bus ride or whatever. And, you know, you're on a bus with a bunch of kids. Everybody's just yelling, playing anyway. So nobody really... You bring music to listen to for those lulls in the trip. But for the most part, we're all yelling and screaming mm-hmm. and breaking all kind of laws. <laughs> but I listened to the album then. And I remember being like, what? I need this. I, I need whatever this is. I need a, I need this in my life. She let me borrow right. it. I went and dubbed a, a dubbed a version at home. And then I gave it back to her. And so since 91, effectively, you know, I wrote the article. This was the first album I ever fell in love with. I have been, this has been the album. If you ask me what my favorite album is ever, it's been this. Though there's an asterisk on that now. And it gets to what you mentioned, Outlaw, about this not being available on streaming. Because of their issues with Tommy Boy and their inability to come to an agreement about splits and all that stuff. And how to, you know, how to release the music. Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul is Dead, uh, Balloon Mind State. Stakes is high. Nothing on Tommy Boy is available online without, you know, right. without being downloaded, quote unquote, illegally. So I think that unintentionally pushed Midnight Marauders to the top of my list because I would just listen mm-hmm. to that album anytime I couldn't think of what to listen to for, sure. you know, I don't know, the past six or seven years because this physical CD was in storage and it still is. So I went and had, mm-hmm. I bought another version of the physical copy just so I could have one. <laughs> Because there's no way I'm going through my stores to find this CD. <laughs> so that's where I was. I mean, on a, on a bus in Frankfurt, Germany, on the way to probably Holiday Park in 1991. And uh, wow. changed my life. It changed the way that I listened to music. It opened yeah. my mind to how layered. Like, I, I, wasn't, uh, mm. I wasn't into production that way then. What I knew is that I heard something that I had never heard before so different yeah, yeah. i was like what so, is this but it was my sensibilities 
What were you listening to before? So, I mean, at this time, I know, I can tell you what CDs I had, right? So one of them mm-hmm. is going to be embarrassing only because, not for the reason you think, but so. You're, you're 12. It's okay. Well, but you'll understand in a second. So let's see. I know I had uh, Cypress Hill's debut album because Juice, okay. I'd seen the movie Juice, and How I Could Just Kill a Man okay. is in the soundtrack. I talked my yep, father yep. into getting me the Juice soundtrack and Cypress Hill's first album uh, because of parental advisory. So he got those. I had TLC's <laughs> Who Want a TLC Tip. Mm-hmm. The embarrassing one is I had R. Kelly in the public announcement, only because of everything that happened now. You know, it's just, but I, I had that. Um, I had House of, I think I had a House of, when did House of Pain jump around, come around? House of Pain. Um, yeah, that was 91. Yeah, so I probably, I, I think, I'm pretty sure I had 91. that. Those are the those are the CDs that I can visibly, like, like visibly remember having. Not visibly, but I can, I can remember owning yeah. those CDs. But what I was listening to at this time I had friends. I would steal anything that my older sister had, right? So she would. She was in high school. Uh, she had friends who would who would travel back and forth to the states and bring mixtapes back, and they would give her the tapes, and I would take them and record them. So, you know, I'm listening to NWA back then. I'm listening to Above the Law. Um, like I'm hearing music from the West Coast. From it sounds like a lot of West. Coast. Yeah, a lot of West Coast. I'm, I'm hearing Ghetto Boys. Like I'm up. On, I'm up on the Ghetto Boys. So I'm up on a lot of stuff at this point. But I'm also, I lean, and this is probably where my lean towards West Coast music and that Southern sound started then. So I wasn't a huge New York hip hop fan, if that makes sense at the time. Like it just, Mm -hmm. I probably wasn't breaking it down by region anyway, but I just wasn't there yet. Um, So, so you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, kind of getting put onto this album by uh, this girl, you know, that was in your class or or that went to your school. Uh, what what type of uh, you know what was uh, were other people around you listening to like other than this girl like was was everybody like a big Cypress Hill fan were like were were most people did most people know about this day lie and you just weren't up on it like what like what was kind of the the popular conversation of music at the time if memory serves I'm gonna say that there was a very uh, small group of us who were probably starting to burrow ourselves into this hip hop thing right. Um, everybody was dressing the part, but with people like actively picking up all the out. I remember listening to Jodeci, right? Like I vividly remember mm-hmm. the R and B albums from this time because right. you know Cause them niggas was harder than the rappers. Yeah, you know, like, I, I remember for I remember I had these white pants that I kept calling my Jodeci pants for whatever reason. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember stuff like that. Right. But I don't remember talking to many people about De La Soul. Uh mm-hmm. When, when in 92, when The Chronic comes out, that took over everything, right? So everybody was yes, talking about that absolutely. when it comes out. You know, like Dr. Right. Dre was, that joint dropped like a bomb everywhere yeah. in the world, apparently, where there were black people. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't remember. And where there yeah, weren't. <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't remember this being a conversation piece. My guess is okay. whatever was okay. popular at the time, because, you know, you lived overseas too. We had our one American radio station that played mm-hmm. all of the um Make the top yeah the top 40s song. and stuff like that so we were listening to a lot of that right right so whatever rap was in the top 40 at the time would be what we were yeah. listening to is my guess for for most of us yeah, yeah. okay i don't even know what rap would have been in the top 40 at that time yeah i'm trying to figure out like when yeah. maybe when arrested cool development day. dropped like when you know because i remember when oh, tennessee yeah. dropped that joint arrested is development like, that I might be 94 yeah that might that, be 93 that was 94. later yeah 93 or something like that yeah yeah I don't even remember. I but I do remember uh, Will Smith's uh, 
Fresh Prince Home Base. That album comes out sometime around that time. Mm. And I remember I can I yeah. can remember seeing somebody with that tape. Uh Yo, <laughs> when did Criss Cross come out? That's probably 91. Uh, 90, 91. 92, 92, oh, 92, 92. So 92. After that. that was 92. I remember that that year. Okay. But um, but this was the year though. Uh, quick as the name came out. Yeah, it's good one. Uh, what else came out this year? And I was into Quick at this time too yeah. because of the West Coast stuff. So because of these mixtapes, I would get yeah. DJ Quick. I would get like one song from all these artists. I didn't know who they were. I didn't find out right, who most right. of them were until I ended up digging into hip hop more. I'm like, oh, that's who this is. Okay, that's the I already know this song. Right, right, right. So what what okay. Ice Cube project was released? So America's Most Wanted is out at this time because that came out in like ninety. Okay. Um, ninety, right? Came out right, like okay. ninety or late or early ninety one. Okay. So, so Death Certificate came out in October, so it wouldn't have been okay. out yet. Um, Low End yeah. Theory came out in. Uh, yeah, that's true. September of ninety one. People's Instinctive Travels yeah. came out in nineteen ninety. Bonita exactly. Applebaum was on the radio, and I remember hearing that. Yeah, that that was a song I yeah. definitely knew because also what was happening at this time was people would send VHS tapes to all their to all their you know cousins and brothers and sisters and family overseas right, for, with right. videos. So a lot of the music that I got, I got through videos too. Like I would see the you know we mm. would whatever whatever video. Um, channel or video, video yeah, show was on and wherever people were from i get the ralph mcdaniel like i knew who ralph mcdaniels was i knew who fat <laughs> right. by freddie was you know so because this is before if, cable if you had too. the juice soundtrack then that means that um rakim's know the ledge or don't sweat the technique whichever yes. one of his songs is know the album, ledge that and that was yep and that was from yep and that album okay. i bought that album too and i i that it was one of my favorite albums for years because of I had that album production on that, that don't I loved the it. technique yeah yes. I had that album my god yeah. I I I studied that album like yeah. how did yeah. he do that's this like how did he do that kind of stuff that's when I this is really when I started getting into like hip hop for real for real like when I started listening differently um was around this time okay so but this is the album that does it for you yes yes okay all right. So quick one. I, I I know that this was one of the early five Mike albums of of, of the source. Uh, this is before my time in listening to the source. Mm -hmm. Were you kind of up on the whole like you know reading magazines or you know whatever kind of publications? Uh, do you remember what the kind of critical reception outside of that five Mike rating that we know about was? I had no idea what the source was at this time. Um, you know, okay. I don't know that. Like I said, there was a small group of us, and I'm in middle school at this time too, who were into hip hop heavy. You know, we're, we're trading tapes and all this kind of stuff. Amongst the the groups, we were all into certain things, but the the larger world, I had no idea what that was until I moved back to this to America, and I and I met okay. hip hop heads in America in '93, and they okay. started to help That's me fair. understand what was happening here, because also when yeah. I would go home. When I would come to the states in the summertime to visit my mom, I was in um, in Michigan, uh -huh. but and I yeah. would listen to Detroit radio stations, right? So I would listen to the. That's how okay. I would understand what was happening. Um, I would get that kind of stuff, but I still wasn't driving to go get magazines or anything along. Like I wasn't getting that type of stuff. Gotcha. It wasn't probably until yeah. I got to high school, like ninth grade, that I really started to dig into stuff mm -hmm. like the Source and all this to help me understand what was happening gotcha. in the the, the hip hop yeah. world. That's why I asked, because, like, you know, when my uh, abroad experience was like, you know, whenever I was able to, maybe once a month or something, I would go to the base 
and just kind of buy anything American culture that I could get, whether it was Oreo cookies, Pop-Tarts, you know, the Source Double XL, anything I could get my hands on, you know, to kind of consume the culture and be like, a, be kind of understand how other people were consuming the right. stuff, right? Because the other thing is, like you said, right, like your lens is very filtered, right? You're not getting everything that's coming out. You're getting like whatever little thing bubbled up that was it was so big that it you know kind of permeated everything else in the world uh and so that's why i asked that question because i think the other thing about the source when i got into the source which was man much later than this uh maybe 97 i want to say i I got into the source but uh you know when i did get into the source it kind of gave me and my friends like a common language that we could use right. to discuss and dissect this stuff, right? Because before that, it's just like, you're just listening to shit and you just you just like it or you don't like it. And then, you know, if you like it, you might, you might, hey, hey, yo, check this out, listen to this. Yo, this is good. But it's like, you didn't have like a lexicon to go like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a five mic album. Yeah. Oh, this is a three mic album. Or this is, you know, better than this. This fits here regionally. like. That was like the first time I really understood that you could kind of break this down like academically. And so I was wondering if you kind of also, you know, at this point in time, were thinking about things in that in that way. I probably started to lean into that around that time. But the common language of of everybody (laughs) that I can remember vividly was profanity. And we loved us some records that had (laughs) cursing in them because I remember I vividly remember. That's it. Where's the curse word? That's what hip hop is, right? I remember that, dude. I remember that. I remember going on a bus trip to to Belgium. Actually, I think we were going to Belgium for something, and okay. I or somebody else had AMG's "Bitch Better Have My Money." Oh, the yeah. album that had that on it, and <laughs> Classic we literally album right there. counted all the profane words in the song "Bitch Better Have My Money." Like that's the type of stuff that we would yeah. we would do. So. I was up on AMG I was up on uses quick. the word bitch yes. like we use the word the. Right. I was up on this stuff early. <laughs> we use the word bitch like Kwame Brown used the word nigga. <laughs> Probably, actually. Yeah. He's he's good at it. Pro, you know, prolific with it. You know what I mean? Like a, I, a, a I, scientist. I've never heard someone say the word nigga five times in one sentence. Cause I'm a Geechee nigga. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that, anyway. that's that's that was our we were all up on AMG. We were all up on mm-hmm. um quick because of profanity because of songs like sweet black pussy yeah. off of the quick right. is the name album you know the, the more profane yep. for 11 and 12 year olds the for better kids. you know what i'm saying right. it was gotcha. we were right. breaking rules well speaking about the source um what is the critical reception of this album i guess in both at the time and its legacy yeah i mean the source gave so all i know is the five mic yeah, yeah it is a five mic really. album go ahead yeah. It's not the first. I think um, Travis but, is the first, actually. People's Instinctives tra- uh, tra- travels and right. But I'm looking. I'm looking at the 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 wiki, right? And so it seems like while the source gave it a, a solid five, right? All Music gave it four. Uh, Chicago Tribune gave it three out of four. But Entertainment Weekly gave it a C plus. Los Angeles Times gave it three out of five. So it seems like it wasn't. It may not have been like universally thought of as this classic that the source thought of it, and and you know maybe that's a good conversation to have. The other go ahead. The other thing too is it because we always talk about how we reference wiki, right? Like if mm-hmm. you look at, I've got a couple other albums up on the wiki, right? And another one I've already talked about it is the you know debut album from Tribe Called Quest, uh, People's Instinctive Travels, right? 
there's a whole lot of information on this wiki page pertaining to this album. You know, there's not that much pertaining to De La Soul is Dead. You've got the little synopsis, you've got the overview and the track listing, and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I was gonna say about about that particular, you know, the 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 review scores, right? Is that I think this is a time frame where the source did kind of define itself as like this, you know, this like publication that spoke our language, right? Because right. a lot of these other publications were reviewing hip hop through a lens that they didn't right. understand hip hop, right? right? So it's like, oh, this is a C. Every every album's a C. It's like, why is every album a C? Because I don't understand this shit, right? Yeah. And then you have like this publication that is just specifically about hip hop. And so I think that kind of matters, like the fact that all these other publications are just like, eh, this is all right. And then this, the hip hop Bible, as they called it at the time, right? Gives this like a perfect five-star rating. So yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, to add to that, it, their first album was reviewed very favorably by everybody, mm -hmm. right? And part of that was, was yeah. because it was so fucking happy, right? To, to everybody, like, without <laughs> right. really listening, it comes across as a happy album because of the color. Like, you right. take a look at the... It's judging the album by its cover, right? You 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 mm -hmm. you look at it, yep. it looks colorful, looks happy, so you listen to it that way. You recognize <laughs> Steely Dan samples and stuff, and you're like, yeah, this is this is amazing. Look, look, at, look at what these guys are doing right. with the hip-hop. De La Soul right. is Dead is a dark album. Like it is a very right. It's it's a it's almost a rebellion to the response yep. to the first album. So if you go back yep. and listen to this and you're a and you're a, 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 a critic who loved the first one for all the joy, quote unquote joy that it brought, mm, but then you go back point, and listen to this point. album, you're like, wow, what, why are they rebelling against all this success that they had? Like what like why do they hate mm. their lives? Like what is it? What is it that makes them <laughs> so unhappy now? Like, why are they unhappy? You listen to it differently because it's right. not, they're, they're rebelling against that hippie crap, right? Right, right, right. So you get rated differently. Whereas somebody like The Source, where, you're, where your, your goal is to listen to it through a hip-hop lens, like you're talking about, Yinka, where it's like, this is our art. What are they accomplishing with it? And you realize what right. goes into that. You hear it differently, and you can understand what they're getting across. So like yeah. this, yeah, I, I would not trust a single non, <laughs> quote unquote, urban review of right. this album at that time in the slightest. Exactly. It's like at, at a certain point, right? Like these publications had to start hiring certain people to review albums that actually could listen to a hip hop album. But back then that, that, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't table stakes. Like it was like, who knows? It could have been. You know, a mountain climber that plays a rock guitar that's that's <laughs> that's doing, you know, some of these ratings. So yeah. Well, how about but, the uh the retrospective legacy or reaction to this album, the reception, if you will? It doesn't have one. It doesn't have okay. a legacy because it's in fucking limbo. <laughs> right? Like it's stuck in unless you know this album exists, you're not gonna accidentally find it. Mm. Right? You're not that's going to That's true. You know why A Tribe Called Quest can have a documentary that everybody knows and loves that De La Soul is in that you're like, who is that? It's because you can hear their music and you can go back and reference it. You can do a 30-year, a 25-year retrospective on this album and the world can go listen to it, right? You can do that. You can't do that with any of the landmark music that De La Soul created. Three Feet High and Rising, and I don't even love that album like other people may have or whatever. Like I, I, I've never really liked it that much. Though I do like specific songs, you know that it probably deserves some type of real like 
academic treatment, but you got to fucking hear it. Mm. And Tommy Boy, they're not yeah. coming off. They're not getting off their necks on that. So, you know, it's harder yeah. to See, come by and it's harder to remember to even exists. That, okay. Hmm. I need to challenge this because Three Feet High and Rising is an album that you do hear about in hip-hop circles, in hip-hop spaces. You hear about You have it. heard about Nobody this album it. throughout the 90s. You did hear about this album throughout the 2000s before streaming became a really big thing. Yes, people were burning and ripping and we were doing all that stuff. But like Spotify didn't become a platform until when? Like 2000 and what? 10, 11, 12? I don't know. It, it, whatever, right? Like there was a whole length of time. For, but you haven't been able to buy album this album in particular to build a legacy. No, you because what I'm it. saying is this, right? Like, like people have been talking about um, low end theory and Midnight Marauders for years, way before anybody would need to go back and like listen to it. They've been talking about it for years. They've been talking about three right. feet high and rising for right, years. I think I think something I think something to add to what Panama's saying is that is that. Okay, when 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 you see a, a, a Q-Tip interview, right? Mm -hmm. Q-Tip will say, "Hey, go buy my first album. My shit's great." Right? If you see De La Soul, which they don't do as many as many interviews, and they're and they're not as you know they're not as out here. They're not currently working on things like the, the same way you know Q-Tip is, but or or as as congenial as as Q-Tip is. But they're saying, "Don't listen to my shit. Don't buy my shit." Because I'm not going to get paid off that, right? So that like, happen, they're intentionally killing some of their legacy. So their legacy is different. When from, did that happen? Like, uh, that's that's been so. That's, that's been happening. It's, oh, it's that's been, been happening forever. for at least the past 10, 10 plus years. Right. Like legitimately, this, years. So yeah, that this has been going on for a long time. Their album has been those okay. albums. I don't even think they're in circulation. Like I had to All buy. Right. I mean, you can go. I mean, obviously, you can go on Amazon stuff and buy and pay a lot of money to get them. But you're not just going, right. gonna, gonna go on Amazon and say, I want that album and pay $9.99 for it. Like, you're not gonna be able to do that. And because they did, I remember in the blog era, so let's say 2008, 2009, this was a big deal. De La Soul came out and dropped their entire catalog for free. They were like, yo, there's like, they were like, yep. there's like, there's like a 24 hour window where all this stuff's gonna be up until they shut it's us like down. We're giving our whole catalog away for free yep. because you won't get it. If we don't do that, like Tommy Boy is holding this, yeah. holding us hostage because we can't agree. This right. has been going on for a long time. They are the poster boys yeah. for yeah. a contract that you can't get out from under and one that doesn't mm -hmm. allow you ownership of any of your work. Right. So they yeah. literally have no recourse in this. And, and Yick is right. They were telling people, don't listen to this crap. Like it's it's right. We don't make nothing off of it. Like Tommy Boy ain't paying us for any of this. Okay. So it's um, a it's a stilted legacy of sorts. So that's speaking to your question. So then, there's no so legacy why, for this album, in my opinion. Why do I know so much about Three Feet High and Rising and not this album? Because you're decidedly a hip hop snob, no. and everybody who's a hip hop snob knows. But what, this what album. I'm saying is, I've seen Three Feet High and Rising in numerous publications. I've not seen De La Soul. So like, there, there's a legit well, reason for that, right? Yes, there is. I'm I'm gonna say here's part of the reason. Even if it's not available, almost every one of those publications of note of music note will call that album one of the greatest albums ever. It's probably right. considered one of the greatest right. albums of the '90s. De La Soul right. is Dead is probably right. in that same thing. They all, if you ever see lists of yeah. greatest albums of whatever, these albums do show up in there because mm -hmm. of what they did pull off on very limited budgets, mind you. Because De La Soul is Dead, you you yeah. you're into right. sampling. You understand how many samples are on this. You know what their budget for yeah. this album was was twenty five thousand dollars. That was their whole advance okay. for this whole album. And that, see, that's 
that's the other that's the other piece of nuance that we're not talking about, right? Like, like the 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 style of sampling that they use on this, which I I, I just call it all wall of sound, which it, you know that's probably a misnomer, right? Like that's that's really just for for Hank Shockley and them, but you know the the, the kind of thought process where it's like. You take a you take ten different samples and you stack them all, all on top of each other and you put them all in the same key and then that's your beat, like that's really really fucking expensive, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why they don't make albums like that anymore. And I think that's one of the differences between De La and and Tribe, right? Like Tribe production is is much more much more sparse, much more open. They might have you know two three samples on on a record. I mean, not counting like. A snare sample, right. or a kick sample that make make drums, you know, but but like like the 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 baseline, the melody, and that's it, right? Whereas like these are like really really stacked in a way that even if Tommy Boy and them kind of wanted to play ball, Tommy Boy is like it's kind of a diminishing returns or zero zero sum game to some degree, like where it's just like okay, these guys are assholes to us. We're probably not going to make any money because once we put it out there, we're going to get sued. So we're going to have to try to retroactively clear all these samples. And it's fucking four million samples per song. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. fair. These cool. albums are almost myth at this point, right? Like they exist. <laughs> unless you're ahead, you probably don't have them unless you just had it from back yeah. in the day. Like I do. Like I own the yeah. CDs of these, but I got them years and years ago when they were still... Yeah. When they were much more easily accessible, and as people move to streaming, and if you know, I have this argument that I've made several times. Like, if your if your album ain't streaming, does it even exist, right? So, for instance, yeah, Aaliyah's one in a well. million. Aaliyah's one in a million yeah, album. Yeah. Like that sh- that shit needs to be. Right. That shit is actually influential. Barry Hankerson, man. it is an actual yeah. influential album, even if people don't get it, right? Yes. I don't know yes. if this album would be influential because people don't make albums like this anymore. You you can't, you know, for mm-hmm. one, who has the time? So, but So one thing yeah. I will say for for a point that Outlaws made that I think is a, a great point, right, is that, and, and less about this album and more about Three Feet High and Rising, right, there was a period of time where people owned that album and, like, you would see that album cover and it almost, mm-hmm. it meant something about the person, right. right? So people would have Three Feet High and Rising and you'd come and it, it'd be sitting on their coffee table, right? Because they want you to know, like, I'm the type of person that owns this album. Right. Um, and I think, like, that there, there's kind of a relevance to that as well. Like, and maybe De La Soul is Dead may not have that same kind of legacy or that same relevance. But De La Soul as a legacy act does have that relevance for certain people. I agree with um, that. So yeah. just I mean, they, they still were doing yeah. Rock the Bells. They were still out there touring, right? Yeah. Like people, they are a show yeah. worth seeing to many people. Yo. Oh, hell yeah. Yo. They're great performers. S- stakes is high live oh, at the Jay Dilla. Um, oh, you saw that? The Jay Dilla. Yeah, the DC Loves Dilla tribute. Yeah. They came, yeah. they came to that like, I don't know, like five, six, seven, however many years ago. Uh, and they perform Six is High. My God, that's one of the yeah. best like s- individual song performances I've ever like been in the crowd for. Because I had actually not heard that song before. Like if, if I did, I wasn't paying uh-huh. attention to it. Yeah, you know, amazing. I wasn't really into Dilla like that. Yeah. yeah. But that performance was like, oh my God, like holy. I shit. think my car broke down that year. <laughs> I think I was like, I was like supposed to go and like. I got like a flat tire or something on the way. So I'm so mad. It seems like something you and I would have met up to go to. I'm so mad I missed that shit. Yeah, that shit was, that shit was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so, that's dope. All right, well, anyway. should we get into the uh, highlights and lowlights? Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's get it. I'm here for uh, it. So Panama, man, take us through this, bro, because yeah. like, you you know, you're putting us up. So, so, we'll, so we'll, maybe, where do you want to start? Let's 
Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was I'm, gonna say let's start with the overarching highlights. Yeah, I'm I'm good with the over I'm I'm good with the overarching highlights yeah. thing because to me, you know, I'm a production person. You know, we as many times as we've been on here, we've talked about this before. Like I'm kind of the meat and potatoes person. Like like lyrics almost always come second to me because I can't even listen to what you have to say if I hate what you're rapping over, right? So that's always right. hard for me. Right. But the production on this to me, even listening to this yesterday and today, still stands up. Like it's still now it's mixed in a very early 90s way, right? Like, it's it's definitely dirty as hell. But, yeah. my God, like, I can never say enough about Prince Paul as a producer. I, I swear this is easily the most underappreciated hip-hop producer of all time. I mean, yeah, he produced the first three De La Soul albums. So, you know, he produced those. Mm -hmm. The Grave Diggers album. He was producing with Stetsa Son. Like, mm. he's produced, like... Yep. He's produced oh, yeah, he did shit. Produce. Yo, he's a grave digger. Yeah. He was he was the producer on yeah. those albums. He yeah. produced right. I Love he, You Rahim. Uh, yeah. The uh, Raheem. The like, first that was one. his song. Yeah. Yes, the, the first, first one. Grave Digger is not the he's credited yeah, on the, the second one. one, but he yeah. didn't really do much. Yeah, that's yeah. That, he yeah, produced the right, first right, one, which right. came out like three years after they actually made that album, which was a damn shame yeah. because it just you know, yeah. but yeah, you know, even a Prince Among Thieves, like everything that he does, I'm willing to give him I'm willing to listen to largely because of the work he did with De La Soul and how impressed and how much I love this album in particular. Did you hear that podcast, uh, the Open Mike Eagle podcast? I did not hear that one, though that's probably the only Prince oh. Paul joint I haven't listened to because every I go searching for Prince Paul uh, interviews. Yeah. Um, so it's just like literally it's like, I don't know, there's like five episodes and each episode he, he does like a deep dive on a project that Prince Paul did, like whether it's Prince Among Thieves or whatever, wow. he just interviews them. It's super dope and super intensive, so check I it would, out. I, I am absolutely going to do this. So, Prince Paul is an overarching highlight just because of how... For sure. I mean, he did this whole shit. And I I am amazed at the, the depth of the sampling and stuff that he went through to put this together. Because this is... As somebody who makes yeah. beats and everybody, all three of us have made beats, you know how much work right. goes into fucking making a beat, right? Like, it, it ain't no... <laughs> oh, yeah. It ain't no easy process, especially trying to line samples, right. especially if you're stacking samples, right? Like, niggas right. hear a drum sample and think it's easy to put some shit on top of that. No, you got to make sure the BPMs right. is right. You got to make sure... Anyway, so right. Prince Paul, for me, is an overarching highlight. Um, and in 91, so he yes. was probably doing this shit on tape. Yes. Oh, he was doing this on tape. <laughs> the skits... Right. The, 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 yeah. the weaving through the album skit is an overarching highlight. Yeah. The... Um, I kind of like it. Yeah, so like the... And, and you know what? I, I hate that I didn't do this for y'all because I forgot. Inside the album cover uh -huh. is a, a, a comic book. You can't see, you know. It's a comic book uh -huh. with all of this stuff laid out, right? So each one of the skits is uh -huh. is, is drawn out in comic form. Um, oh, that's cool. So you, you know, you see, you know, and the the... There's the bullies, the kids in the background who giving you 90s jokes mm. and clowning people 90s style. I like Vanilla that. Vanilla Ice is so sexy and he can Look. dance. Oh, and I love <laughs> his dance, dance moves. Oh, uh. and he can dance. <laughs> Clown and MC Hammer. Um, you know, like just all that stuff. The, the, the way that De La Soul pokes fun at themselves is an overarching highlight mm, yeah. in some of this stuff because they they take an aim at themselves yeah. by taking aim at the culture at the same time for me. Um, yep. And... You know, I haven't even mentioned them lyrically yet. I've always, I, I'm not the biggest mm -hmm. De La Soul fans as a group. Let me just be very honest about that. But Paz yeah. goes slam off on this album, like flow wise and stuff like that. Like he's really, really ahead of the game in 91 for how he's spitting on this album. 
in my opinion. Mm. Um, those are my overarching highlights. The 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 content, just the way just the, the 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 way it's put together, the production, Prince Paul. Yeah, I mean those are the highlights for me. Uh, Yinka, overarching highlights. Um, I mean, again, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not listening to this in context. Yeah. So, I, but, but I do, I do kind of appreciate the the time capsule factor. Um, you know, like just like you said, like the skits, like some of the kind of '90s references that they have with the skits. Um, some of the things that they take aim at, it it kind of takes me back. Like even just like the um the record, the Afro uh, record where mm-hmm. they where they're they're clowning. You know, like these kind of har- this hardcore thing going on in hip hop and stuff like that. Um, the samples, like you said, because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to add on. Uh, I, I think Prince Paul did great, but I just feel like some of the samples, I, I don't know that you were hearing those genres sampled or that that melting pot in that way um, at that at that point in time. Uh, so I just really really appreciate that. And then last, and this is just a weird thing, but um. Man, I hear, I hear, I hear RZA, RZA borrowing from this album, and um, really? and, and it was a highlight for me. Okay. So um, the 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 one two that I took notes on um, on Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. Okay. Oh, Doug, definitely could have been a that is record. bring that is bring the ruckus. Definitely could have been a record. That is fucking bring the ruckus. <laughs> the, those those snap the way the way the snaps and yeah. the and the clap are layered like RZA literally if he didn't just take that shit and just use it for bring the ruckus. He definitely imitated it. And then the other one that was like very clearly a Wu-Tang precursor was the uh, the Let Let Me In joint. Uh, that's the mystery of chess boxing, like before the mystery of chess boxing, the Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang, like that. They literally heard that shit and said, oh, let's let's put our name there. Like, so uh, just the, the pre hearing RZA before RZA was exciting to me as a hip hop nerd. So those are my highlights. Okay. You got anything else that I missed, Ella? Well, I will just say, in terms of Prince Paul, specifically his imagination and his vision. Mm, yes. Um, because yeah. some of, I don't think he executed some things as well as I would have liked to. Now, the budget is a consideration, right? But when I was listening to this album and I was comparing it to other things that came out around that time, I I heard some things that was like, well, it's 1991, but it's like, yeah, but this came out in 1990 and it's, it's a little bit smoother, a little bit crisper. But like the imagination and the vision for what he tried to do, like this whole entire project and De La Soul's commitment to the concept. Like this is, Facts. Q-Tip yes. is like the abstract. Q-Tip's mm-hmm. never done anything as abstract as this album. And they committed yep. to it 100%. Yes. Crazy and if they didn't, yeah, if they didn't, so if, if they just kind of committed like seventy five percent, eighty percent, I don't mm-hmm. think this works. Um, but it, uh, but it does work, and I don't like every single song mm-hmm. on this album. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. like the album works. It is a it is yep. a piece of art, which I don't always understand all the time, given that I listened to this right. album three times, um, <laughs> and I didn't, I haven't sit, sat with it over the years as Panama has. But like they really, really committed to that. Um, and yeah. it's like it's like a risk. Like this yep. this album as music, I don't care when you release it, it's fucking risky. Um, but they did Hell it yeah. and I have to Hell give them yeah. props for that. That's a huge highlight for me to do that. Yo, so, yo, to piggyback on your point, um, on that that open mic eagle podcast, which again, 
And I, you know, you're not supposed to shout other uh, <laughs> com, uh, competing podcasts, but the shit is Whatever. dope. And if y'all lo- love Prince Paul, out check it out. Content, so, you know. We do. It's just dope content. Uh, but there's an episode where he talks about De La Sola's dead. And he says exactly what you're saying. And he talks about that in contrast to Balloon Mind State. And he said, De La Sola's dead is the last project where he still had the confidence of the group. Like literally anything he told them to do, he'd be like, go in there and make a funny voice. They'd be like, all right. He'd be like, go in there and make a farting sound. They'd be like, all right. And they'd try it. He said, by the time they got to Balloon Mind State, they were like, bro, we make our own beats. We don't fucking need you. And so like Balloon Mind State was like them arguing and fighting back and forth because he's telling them to do shit and they don't they don't yep. agree with his vision but um but on this album he was like they still were 100 percent bought in and they listened to everything that he said and you're right you can hear it yeah. like you can hear that it's his vision yeah. and uh and it sounds dope yeah so that's that's it as far as my overarching highlights the only thing i'll say in terms of something that i appreciate you talked about the time capsule piece um, it was really cool to hear tribe shouted out as quest and not tribe mm. because when you hear quest now in reference to hip hop, it's Quest Love easily. Yep. But the 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 Roots crew or the um, what were they called? The, originally they called the Square Roots. Yes, but they don't come out with organics until what like 93, 94, so past 94, the popcorn. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so before that, like like now, when everyone references Tribe, it's Tribe. But right, before, tribe. in fact, I don't think Tribe was actually supposed to be in their name. I think their original name actually was Quest. And then it was like, well, we're we're a band, but we'll call it a tribe called quest and now everybody calls them tribe but it, in yeah. this album they're referenced as quest a shout and at out to first, quest to my fellow jungle bro yeah they do everything yeah. is quest yeah yeah at first yeah. it bugged me out i was like wait what and then i was like oh that's right that's it's right it's a pimp named slickback it's like a tribe <laughs> called quest you gotta say the whole thing <laughs> right 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 so i so i appreciated that as the time capsule piece i was like oh that's cool that's cool so yeah so uh should we get into the uh the track for track highlights yeah yeah panama go ahead man listen i i'm not gonna pretend like i love every every single song on this record i don't (laughs) no no what i do love about is what i do love about it though is that they all fit together really well like i i listen to this album start to finish anytime i listen to it i can't just pick a a record Mm -hmm. except for except for a roller skating jam named saturday because that just works anywhere like that's that's yeah. I throw a '90s party. I was throwing it for years. We could throw that joint on, and everybody would get to moving, right? But um, great party, by the way. I love Oodles of O's because it's a great opening record for me. Like just the, the sampling. Um, I love a roller skating jam named Saturday, of course, because it's classic mm-hmm. record. It's the probably the biggest record on this album. Obviously, the one that yep. has the most resonance now. If anyone has resonance now, this is the one that has it. Um, here's a question if you hadn't heard that song first right like let's say this is a song you 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 don't particularly like and you put your headphones on and that's the first one you hear do you think that this album would have struck you the same way i don't know thankfully i don't Uh have to worry about that right it never happened so (laughs) i heard it the way that i heard it and my life has been different ever since thank god yeah, but, not, but I will say for, for that record, oh, that it's it's the most accessible record, mm-hmm. you know, by far. Uh, Vinya Mojica uh, both sounds beautiful and is beautiful. Um, I remember going to see De La Soul with my girl, and like this being the one record that like she was like bouncing to, you know, like it's just it's just accessible enough that like anybody, regardless of what your musical palette is, you can rock with. So, agreed there. Yeah, yeah. Outlaw, you got thoughts on this one? Um. 
nothing that hasn't been shared by either one of you two um it is a highlight for me it's not my favorite song on here um it's almost like an obligatory highlight like you hear it and you're like oh yeah yep. like yep. yeah it's a highlight i agree so. man it's like but it, but but I, what i will say for it right is and and i think with the exception of shopping bags on the grind date um they de la soul did a pretty good job throughout their career of like creating like a like a mainstream hit, quote unquote, for a really decidedly underground crew, but it not being a reach. To me, Shopping Bags was the only one where I was like, y'all are clearly reaching. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I don't know. That's my personal opinion. I mean, <laughs> to me, that was kind of like Q-Tip's vibrant thing, but it just happened. Vibrant yeah. thing happened to just go. It just worked. Right. But that was yeah. clearly. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Vibrant thing works. It worked, but it was yeah. a, it was. That's not a regular Q-Tip song. Come on, like that wasn't. Oh, look, it, it, that yeah. song actually grew on me. Because at first I was like, I, this is not what I, I hated it when too. I first heard it. I was like, what the fuck is this exactly. guy doing? I felt that way. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but then I heard it out enough, and I was like, actually, yeah, this shit kind of slams. Goes, and then girls goes. liked it too, so yeah. I was like, okay, I, this joint's not bad. Yeah. And then when I realized Dylan <laughs> made it, I'm like, okay, so it's okay. All right, cool. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> um, another another highlight for me is Ring, 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 which was a single mm, from this yeah. album. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I love how they're talking about everybody trying to get on with them because they made it and everybody trying to give them demos and everybody trying to, you know, like, oh, now we're trying to ride the wave and then being annoyed by that whole thing because anybody who was in a creative space when you have a little bit of success, you know what happens <laughs> right after that. Everybody yeah, wants to yeah, figure out how yeah. to be a part of what you've done and how you can make them right. get to where they're trying to go even if they don't even right, really know right. you. Um, and plus, yeah. this in 91, 92, the hook to this was everybody's uh, voicemail, if you had your own line. Uh -huh. That, hey, how Man. you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name <laughs> and your number? And I'll get back <laughs> to cool. you. Like, that was everybody's That's voicemail crazy. for... That's kind of hot. For like a, an extended period of time. Yeah, man. And see, that's the type of context that, you know, and, and why we do the, like, you know, the personal anecdotes, right? Because yeah. it's just like, you like, when I listen to this song, there's no possible way that I would have that type of association mm -hmm. if all. I didn't experience it in that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Love that. It was just funny. Every, you knew everybody was doing it. Like, as soon as we all heard this album, everybody's like, oh, that's how, it, if, pe if people had <laughs> a line, that's what they shit. did. It was, it was dope. It was dope. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. Um, it's the beat for me. So yeah. yeah, I just it's yeah. a good track to good track to groove to. Yeah. What's your uh, what's what your else? what's your next sound like? Uh let let me in. Okay. That the beat on I I I love that beat so much. I love what they're talking about, mm -hmm. but I love that beat. Like it just it's the it's yeah. a beat that's been used by countless, countless rappers, yeah. countless whatever producers. Um, but you know, and you can and it's funny because you can mention that like like RZA being kind of like and they were good friends like RZA and obviously RZA yeah, and, and yeah, Prince and Paul Prince like Paul. produced together you know yeah. what I mean like I yeah, listening yeah. to to interviews of Prince Paul like he produced I Love You Raheem like he produced that record right. he never got credit for it, but he's the producer on that one you know what I'm saying so he was there for yeah, all that yeah. early Woo stuff and he would tell stories about how the whole crew would be over his house and they're trying to figure out where they're going and how they're about to take the stuff yeah. so I completely understand and get what you're talking about with that stuff. Um, but yeah, I love that record. Um, I got good. I yeah, feel like yeah. Outlaw, I, I need Outlaw to go back and listen to that record like with his Wu-Tang hat on 
because like literally you'll hear it and you'll be like oh shit this is literally the mystery of chess boxing before the mystery of chess boxing it's also the jump off um which is like on the w i think oh you're talking about that yeah 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 exactly that sample i more so mean the who i know i know i know i hear it now after you pointed that out i was like oh yeah he's right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, any other highlights? Well, let me say one more thing it's, about "Let Me In" though, before because I think this is the record that has the break in it where they talk about a fight scene at the club. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's, so uh-huh. no, it's maybe it's not. No, it's, I don't think it's on this record. I'm trying to remember exactly where it is, which is driving me crazy. But whatever record that is, where there's that break where they have like yeah. people, they have commentators on De La Soul getting in a fight at the club. With yeah, the, yeah. Oh no, that's early. That's like peace. Yeah, I think might, you're right. I think you might be on peace. Porridge. And it's like you know the the girls. Yeah. I thought they were supposed to be about peace. You know, question. Uh-huh. And as if only I could ask this question. Can I? <laughs> yes, you can. Like, I love yeah. how they literally just did whatever they whatever felt natural to do on this record. And these songs yeah. are like so. Peace Porridge is probably is definitely one of them. But you know, like that must be what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep, that's a highlight for me. I love that beat. That's my favorite beat on here. I love that sample. Wait, let, let me um, in or peace oh, no, porridge. No, uh, peace porridge. Okay. We, we just skipped to peace porridge. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but but I, the thing I'll say about peace porridge to to one of Panama's earlier points is just I think that like this to me they did a great job of just making fun of themselves. Yeah. And I think like you said, like you know they they kind of had set the stage with this whole Arsenio Hall performance where Arsenio Hall calls them the hippie rappers yeah. or whatever and they feel like they get dissed and they're pissed um and then from that point on they go on this whole rampage where every show they're just fucking people up cuz it's like we're not hippies we're actually tough guys we can beat everybody's ass you know uh and so like i feel like this was like the record where they they decided to kind of address it but they do it in kind of like a funny way and it it like pops out here and there throughout the album and i like that they do that you know peas porridge in a pot is one of my highlights as well um and it's weird because i listen to this song and i can tell i'm listening to art even if i couldn't really quite understand like what it was like i because Mm. like sometimes it takes a while you know these songs have to sit with me for me to like really Mm. really understand what, what they're talking about and I couldn't really understand like what the art was. I just knew I was like, I'm, I know I'm listening to art. And this is one of the songs that when I was walking around throughout the day, like this song was like stuck in my head. So I was like, yeah. it's got to be something. So yeah, it's a high vocal for me. sample is infectious. I know it bro. is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's one of those interesting things about this album. It's like <laughs> they pulled in an amazing array of samples from just stuff that they had laying around. And they put together a classic record yeah. with stuff that's just literally just sitting around in in, in Prince Paul's, you know, yeah. his stats. Well, one of the things that he said on the Open Mike Eagle podcast about how this album came together that I thought was really interesting was like, he said that it was like a very democratic process, right? So like he was the nucleus, but like he would put, he would start a beat and then like somebody would come in, Mace or Poss or whoever would come in and be like, oh, I got something for that. And then they'd leave and come back with a vinyl and be like, try this bass line. And then he'd try it and he'd be like, oh, this works or oh, this doesn't work. But like, it was like a democratic process where he let anybody's ideas also be a part of it. Um, yeah, that's dope. So I, I don't know if this was one of the records where like, you know, he kind of sourced an idea from someone else. But I also thought that that was really interesting just because it shows like, it shows their humility and their their level in the game, right? Because like, 
you know, Wu Tang, right? Like, is is the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, it's like it's one guy's vision. <laughs> yeah. You you come in, you rap your shit. It might be on the song, might not be on the song. Right. Just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Rizzo's gonna put it together. It's gonna be hot. Like, don't worry about it. Just leave. Uh, and this was like very different from that gotcha. in terms of like what their creative yeah, process true. was like. You know, what uh, <laughs> what what are the highlights you got, Panama? So another highlight for me is gonna be past the plugs. Um, true story. My personal podcast, Past the Peas of Panama Jackson, did not come from the JB song, but it Pass came from gotcha. this song, Past the Plugs. Uh, and I just I just love everything about the song. I love the swing. I love the way this joint jams. Like it's just it's just good music. Uh, it's Dayla being Dayla, man. You know. <laughs> yes. Past the, past the plugs, you know, past the peas, like they used to say. I don't really know what they're talking about. They're just kind of jamming and rapping, but I really right. love this jam. I love this record. It's one of my favorites on this on this album in particular, but in general. Yeah. So. yeah. This record, for some reason, kind of reminded me, and it, it's weird because the beat doesn't sound anything like it, but the groove reminded me of like a me, myself, and I. Like, you know how me, myself, and I is just so feel good that like, you know, I don't even know what year that came out, right? But I was born in 84, so I was a kid when me, myself, and I came out. But it was just, it was so infectious. I didn't, I didn't need to be old enough to understand the song or anything about what it was about. I didn't even know who George Clinton was. I was that young, yeah. right? But like, but that song was just, it just, it just felt good. And I feel like this record as well, you know, past the peas. It also just, you know, I mean, obviously the JV's chant helps. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's catchy. But the groove itself is also just like a really feel good type of groove. Yeah, it's a good groove. It's it's not a highlight for me, but the the beat yeah. itself and the groove is good. Um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a good groove. And the other thing I'll say about it is, I almost feel like Prince Paul as a vocal performer is like an Easter egg on this album. Like you get him like a couple times, he just kind of pops up. So the fact that you get Prince Paul rapping on here, I also like that. <laughs> okay, uh, Yankee, what do you miss? Um. Okay. So like I said, uh, so my my. My first two highlights, uh, we missed talking about Hey Love. It's it's a highlight for me, uh, less less about the performance, like the vocal performance. I don't really care what they're doing on there. I, I don't I don't care what they're talking about. But that Stevie Wonder sample yeah. is so dope that like, I just, it was just, hey, it was stuck in my head like all week, just because, you know, you, so you hear it once and it just, it doesn't go away. Uh, so production wise, that that's a highlight for me. So the first time I heard that beat, it was actually there's a YouTube channel that I watch. Um, they, they make cocktails. They make drinks. As you know, mm-hmm. guys know, I, I make a lot of cocktails. Put them online sometimes. But this one channel, this guy Steve the bartender, um, he'll make a cocktail and then he'll have like certain beats on in the background. And one of them that features a lot in his in his videos is this uh, talk about hey love. And like when I heard it on the album, I was like, oh shit, like. I know this beat from such and such. And yeah. I had the same feeling that you do, uh, Yinka. That, like, it's not necessarily a highlight for me because the song itself, but like, yeah, I don't really care what they're, li- they're talking about. I just like listening to the beat. Um, yeah, the yeah. beat is dope. Actually, low key, the beat actually kind of reminds me of one of the beats that you would have made back in college. Outlaw. Probably. Like, it's kind of got that, like, that Outlaw and Steve type of groove. Like, you, your style was like kind of like that, like, kind of dusty, choppy, you know, but like, 
but you you had like the like the, the type of stuff that you like to sample. Maybe it was the source material. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That that vibe reminds me of, of kind of your your production style. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, what else you so, got? So uh, so yeah, like I said, Peace Porridge is my highlight of highlights. My next one is Biddy's in the BK Lounge. Gotcha. Um, I don't care for the story, really. <laughs> so you know, but but I just really like this beat. Um, like it's one of my favorite beats. Like the the first beat, and then I also just love beat switches like I, I like you know when it changes but but like you said panama like i, I just feel like and th this is you know goes to like a more of a low light or a mellow light it's like they lose me a lot like yeah. you know i'm I, I don't you know they'll, they'll be rapping and i'll just i just I like tune out like my brain isn't even listening to you anymore i don't know what you're talking about yeah fam like that is 100 <laughs> percent my feeling about this song like the story doesn't even completely make sense they lose me like, I really enjoy, you know, the back and forth, though. But at some point, I'm like, what are y'all even talking about? But, you know, hey, whatever. It's the jam. So this song is both great and annoying. Um, you already <laughs> right. highlighted some of the things that are annoying about it. We don't need to get too much into it. Um, I love all the samples that they, they choose for it. And I do like yeah. songs that transition. Yeah. But yep. one of the things that's really weird to me, and I don't know if this is unfair to Prince Paul. So I'm going to say what I have to say. With the caveat that one of you two might come back counter with like that's not fair because of xyz and that's fine right mm -hmm. so like they use this sample and i forget what the sample is but like it's less than a year later that brand nubian uses this sample for uh punk jump up to get beat down and super cat mm -hmm. uses this for red hot and like mm -hmm. both of those songs are fire now yeah. Now the brand Nubian one, I only care about Sadat's verse. I don't care about um, was it Lord Jamal? What's the other guy's name? I forget his name. Whatever. Lord Jamar. Yeah. Or Grand Pooba. Well, Grand Pooba's not on the track, so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like Sadat's verse is crazy. That that song is crazy, and Super uh, Supercat's Ghetto Red Hot. Like I love that joint, and mm -hmm. they do so much more with that sample than Prince Paul does here. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of like it's like man, like. You're you're clearly ahead of the game, and I don't know if it's like a budget issue, mm -hmm. but like some things didn't come together as well as maybe they they could have in some places. I don't yeah. want I don't I don't want to like hold it as like a knock, but it's definitely just like an observation. Like you know, you make you make a good point there, and I think I think that's kind of a a production style observation, in my opinion, of Prince Paul. Like I feel like Prince Paul doesn't make the banger. Like he never makes the banger. But he makes like, oh, this is dope, or oh, that's an interesting choice, or you know, like it's like it's musically good, but it's not a banger, and so that's why like you'll hear like like I, like I said like there's certain production choices on here, and then you hear RZA do it, and you're like, oh shit, like that's crazy, Yo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I just feel like it's almost just like his maybe the way he does drums or something. I don't know what it is, but I, I will different. say on Prince Among Thieves that banger that um. That's a banger. Right. That's a banger. Yeah. But that's but that's that's all the horn sample know, because know, then when the, the DMX one hits harder than, than that one. That's true. <laughs> that's true. What I will say about that record is that I like how open. Yeah. The second half. Mm -hmm. yeah. In the second half, I like how open the the beat and how sparse it is because it gives yeah, it yeah. gives them a lot of, of opportunity to go back and forth on the disses right you can focus on the disses i hear the disses really well you know well, they entertain this, me oh is it yeah it's a disc record and it's 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 it really gives me a chance to really hear what's going on so i don't think it overtakes them because 
You know, it's one mm. thing we you can talk about when it comes to daylight. They can get overtaken by the beat yeah, a lot, nah, okay. but it doesn't happen in this. Yeah, in the same way, anyway. Yeah, and I think it gives them another opportunity to kind of do the whole like, let's make fun of ourselves and let's make fun of everything going on around. You know, in terms of like what the chicks like and you know what's cool and et cetera. All right. So, what's your next? Uh, what's your next highlight? Um. So you mentioned let let me in. Uh, right, and I said that I liked the the woo influence. Millie pulled a pistol on Santa, uh, for sure. And I mean, I think Panama had said that he liked this, so I'm surprised that you didn't you didn't call it out as a highlight. Did you have thoughts on it? I have thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't really love this song for whatever reason. I think it's because when I first heard this album, I was 12, and I really didn't get the full. Like the mu the musicality and all that stuff of it, and yeah. just how good of a yeah. story it was, didn't really hit me the same way that it would now. And since I didn't love it then, I guess it kind of just stayed in that same place for me. Now, like I recognize it as a dope record, like I, I get it, but I just yeah. it just never yeah. really lands for me as a song that I'm going to pull out on this album to really go back and mm. listen to. I I feel I could not disagree with you more. Um, well, that's why I we're here. This is my favorite song on that. On that's album. why we're here. Okay. This song is amazing. Uh, look, first of all, like the beat like and the sample is dope. Um, and you already talked about how it's, you know, bring the ruckus. I didn't even notice that, but mm -hmm. I listened to it now and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah. so the drums on here and everything is great. What I love about this song is this is an absolutely brilliantly arranged um, I agree. song. Right, so the fact that you have the exposition is pretty much delivered by um, by Paz. But then you have the, I guess, kind of like the first person narrative or how he's interacting with the girl. So it's like you have Paz describing the situation of what this, this girl is facing. But then you have the, the, the Dove is pretty much like gaslighting her, if you will, right? Um, and to hear that kind of like that dynamic go back and forth, this is a truly, yeah. truly brilliant piece of, of music, of songwriting, I think. Now, yeah. is it hot? I don't know if it's hot, but you you know how I, I like to is. get nerdy about some songs. And this is a song I can nerd out to. Yeah. The story is yeah. really good. Um, True. It, the other thing, too, I, I will say about this is that, like, I don't know if Yinka has any experience with this. I don't know if Panama has any experience with this, but, like, Sometimes, like when 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 you make beats before the song is constructed, you just kind of have like weird titles for it based off of some random yeah. shit, like oh, uh, yeah. scratching a cat's ass. Like who knows what it is, right? <laughs> Something random, but like it, it 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 sticks in your mind at the time, and you just name the, yep. the track that. Like Millie pulled yep. a pistol on Santa. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> yep. That's but uh, and that and there's there's other song titles on this album yeah. that are kind of similar, but um, it yep. does work with what the song is actually talking about. But um, yeah, this is this is probably my favorite song on on the record. Yeah, no, I think you you, you did a good job of, of describing why it's it's definitely a highlight for me. I actually though think that production wise, it's dope too. Yeah. I don't think either of y'all talked about the beat. Oh, I the think beat that, is the good. The beat yeah. is actually really dope too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would never take anything away from the beat on this. Um, you know, it does have it does knock. It goes. I, yeah. I will grant I will grant you that. It just never was. You know, I, as a song because of where I was when I heard it. I think that's why I react to it the same way. But, you know, like listening to it's it's you know, it's a it's a it's a good enough record. It just would never hit my highlights, so to speak, that's just right. because of yeah. where I was and who I that's was when right. I heard it.
So I, that's that's my last uh, highlight. Outlaw, you got you got any that I missed? Yeah. So all right. So first of all, I gotta give props to the the WRMS bits only because mm -hmm. of it's the Dear Mama sample later. And again, mm -hmm. it's another example of Prince Paul. I'm not sure if someone yeah, else sampled this beforehand, but like he he found it, he put it on wax. Let's assume that he was the first person to get this sample on there, and then it becomes one of Tupac's greatest hit records of all time, right? So like I just you know that's a highlight for me. Um, yeah, the other the other two highlights that I have. Um, who do you worship? And it's not because hmm. the song is is all that great. But again, it goes back to my earlier point about Prince Paul's vision and their commitment to the project, right? Mm -hmm. And who do you worship? Like, it's an esoteric record. It's definitely artsy. I don't really know what it is that they're talking about, but like, it, like I can't see this song working on any other album. And not mm -hmm. only that, this song is one of the songs that helps helps round out the album. Um, hmm. So I actually wanted to ask about this song, okay. right? And and I, I figured Panama, I figured because you're the person who's heard this album the most, you might have known. And maybe I, maybe I'm just speaking into the well. So I mean, let me know if I'm I'm talking. But you know, who do you worship? To me, it seemed like what they were trying to do was they were trying to call to in the '90s, like the early '90s. There was this whole thought process that like all of this rock music was like devil worshiper music and that like all these kids were listening to these songs that had like satan backwards like if you play the record backwards it's it's calling to the devil or whatever and so i thought that who do you wor worship was like them kind of given like a little easter egg or a little call to like people's fear about rock like that type of rock music at the time is that is that accurate or am i just wilding <laughs> man you got me i i listen i don't actually have any idea what the intended goal with this record yeah. was specifically i mean you know i'm guessing it's just a call out kind of like you know they have uh that like in in, in in the house record they're like you know this is not this any house records or whatever like i guess i don't know i guess they they had some point that's all I know. That's that's all I can guess that they had some point they were really trying to make. And maybe they made it. I mean, because it's it's definitely an intentional it's definitely an intentional choice, right? So that's why I mean they were trying to say something. Yeah. I I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, and 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 neither do I. I mean, like I mm. like I referenced the, the kicked out the house song. They're they're speaking directly to various audiences of oh, yeah, uh, yeah, different yeah, genres yeah, yeah. of music Test where they right, specifically right. point you out that, you know, that. we're not taking aim here. So maybe it's Maybe it's just they're not to, to rock like house. Well, speaking of uh, kicked out the house, that's actually my next highlight. And again, it's not okay. that it's an amazing song, but I really like that the song exists. And <laughs> you're right. They're not dissing house. They're saying if we did house, this is what it would sound like. And, sound I, and I think that this is actually a really pivotal time in house music before it near completely transitions into a, like a white genre. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of folks. Um, maybe younger listeners who might think about house music don't realize that it is an entirely black genre of music that was created. Right. Right. You've right. got your Chicago house, Detroit house, Jersey house, Baltimore club, whatever. Right. Like, and I think that this was a time when there were a lot of like big house records coming out, like in the early nineties. And I think that this is their way to pay homage to that. At least that's my guess. 
And so if we have like a musical artistic project, I think this is another one that helps rounds out the album. Again, it's not an amazing house song, but I just, I just liked it. It's on the album. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like you really are trying to create something artistic here and, and I'll fucks with that. So, Yeah. yeah. And, and to, to, you know, double down on what you said earlier, right? Like you talked about this album as a risk. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely one of the riskier records on, on here. Yeah. So that's it for my track for track uh, highlights. Should we get into the overarching lowlights we might have? Uh, pa- Panama, do you have any overarching lowlights? Um, if I have any lowlights, it's probably that a lot of times, like we've said before, I don't really know what the hell they're talking about. You know, that's mm-hmm. probably the only low light that I really have. Like, as much as I love this record, I also, I don't love it because of all the lyrics. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's not, that's yeah. not, it's the combination of all of it, but I can't mm-hmm. really point to any particular verse or anything that stands out. Like, yo, that's the thing that really got me. It's it's largely just the combination of everything. So that's the only, that's the only low light that I have. Uh, it seems a little bit long. But that's only because there's so many damn skits. But it actually yeah. clocks into like over an hour, like hour and ten minutes, which feels long, a bit. But for some reason, it does. You know, I listen to the whole thing every time, so I guess it it, it doesn't really kill it for me. Um, that's it. I don't have any. There's no song low. There's no song that's a, a an absolute low light or anything like that for me. Yinka. Yeah. Um, overarching low light to to add and. I, this is more so for me because I'm, you know, a 36-year-old man listening to this. Um, you know, the, the skits are just really, really sophomoric. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, that, you know, to, to some degree, they they just didn't age well, right? Like, thick. I think you were 12 when you first heard this. Yes, so I was if I was if I was 12, I'd probably be laughing my ass off at this little kid getting his ass beat and, and they take a CD. You know, like, that's probably funny. But, like, I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? I just, you know, the skits kind of were a little silly for me. Um, I'm not going to complain about length because, you know, of the time frame. I do think that because of the fact that there were so many skits, I kind of probably would have tucked them, uh, you know, in, in into the body of, of songs uh, to just to kind of give give the album a little bit more flow. So it's not like half skits, half songs. Um, And then, you know, like you said, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, just sometimes I'm just like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Or they lose me altogether on songs, and and I don't like that. So that th- those are my overarching low lights. Uh, did I miss any? My low? overarching low light is that at least on this album, um, I'm not a big fan of their vocal performances. Oftentimes okay. they they bore me. Um, mm-hmm. They're just not entertaining. And Postanus in particular is an MC that I have a great deal of respect for. I think. I have put him, he's at least a tier four for me, but I think I've put him as a tier you've three. You've asked me about him before. Yeah. yeah I, you've asked me about how, like, I'm a De La fan. What do I think about Paz? And I was like, eh. I, I think I might have put him in in the tier three, which is, like, with, with Common and, and Busta Rhymes. And, you know, like, and so to hear him on this album is kind of like, uh, you're not you're not bad by any means, but you're not, like, great. And Dove in particular mm-hmm. I mean, he's got records where he's like screaming on here and it does not sound good. Like it sounds bad. But if we even take those things away, right? Like, I don't know if it's an issue because of like in 1991, like what was a trick for 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 MCs in 1991 is maybe right. different now. But like definitely one of the albums that I kept thinking about or two of the albums that I kept thinking about when I was listening to this album were pe- people, People's Instinctive Travels 
and low end theory. And I'm like, yep. several things here, right? So we can kind of go through some track for track lowlights if we have them. There's only one run that I, that I don't really like. And that's like Biddy's in the BK lounge through Afro connections at high five. I'm just not a big fan of that run. But we don't necessarily need to get into any specific tracks, but like I listened to when this album came out and I listened to those two albums that the sandwich did, if you will. And I'm like, yo, Tribe has got bangers on that. And like, even though mm. Q-Tip is not like the dopest lyricist and even though you know um fife may not be like the dopest mc we know that fife has uh one line bangers we know he's got punch lines we know he's entertainment he's entertaining and q-tip in general is just like a good vocalist like i just listen to him yeah he's not saying anything spectacular but he just sounds like right. good and 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 you know maybe it's the it's the beast that he's choosing as well but i'm like i just want to listen to this entire song because y'all sound good and i don't really get that here i think q-tip really understands composition mm -hmm. probably better than anybody yeah and um though the, the difference between tribe and de la i think is just tribe is a very very hooky group right like they yeah. make these hooky records that have like these really catchy bits and i think q-tips you know is just great at kind of masterminding he, 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 nothing ever really runs on in a Q-tip project, right? Yeah. Like you just you kind of have something, and then it, it you know it gives you something else, and it gives you something to to you know kind of gravitate to, and and then it's on to the next. And I think you know on on you know to your point, outlaw, like on this album particularly, some of these these daylight verses just kind of run on, and these stories just kind of run on. Yo, he's got they've got some songs on here that are like five minutes long, but even other ones that are only like like all right. Um, I think it's uh, Peas Porridge, right? I think that's five minutes long, but we all like that record. It's a good record. But then mm -hmm. there's other records like, um, like I don't know, Afro Connections at High Five. It's only four minutes. And I don't know. Like, there's, there's. I actually liked that record, by the way. I, I might, I might have been the only one that liked it, <laughs> but, e e I, but I liked it because they were taking aim at all the like, oh, oh, hardcore like shit going on in '91. But so. my point though that I was gonna make is that like, I'm, I, the song comes on and instantly I'm like, all right, I like the beat, right? Like all mm -hmm. the beats on here are good, but then within like 90 seconds, I'm like, yo, I'm ready to skip. Like I'm just, I just yeah. get bored. I'm just like kind of tired of listening to them. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I think what you're speaking to is definitely the issue with making concept records yeah. and sticking to the concept mm, the whole way through, right? Yeah, so yeah. they got away from that, right? If you listen to Balloon, Mind State, and Every Stakes is High, those are those are tribe-esque albums, if we're making the comparison, right? Yeah, they're yeah. beat, they're verse, hook, verse. Like, they're, they're more mm. standard, traditional songs. They're not, you know, Break a Dawn, which is on Balloon, Mind State. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, that's a, those are, it's just a banging record, but it's, it's more, it's more tribe-ish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are these songs are more Prince Paul's ideations yep, exactly. and De La Soul on top of them, helping those ideas come to life. And I think that's probably why it's easy to get bored with them because, you know, the, this you could have done some of this stuff in one and a half minutes or two minutes and and gotten the point across the same way, right? You mm -hmm. couldn't have done Millie pulled a pistol mm -hmm. on on Claws without doing the whole record. That that's a that's a full record. But some of these things, you know, because of what they're getting across, it doesn't need to be the long. Some of these are short songs, right? Yeah. Kicked mm -hmm. out the house is short. Yeah. Like some of them are short. But um, you know, I think comparing them to tribe, I all I'm gonna say something that's probably maybe eh, maybe it's just true. That's all good. Q tips just 
better at music yeah. than mm-hmm. they were at the yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Like He's he was better just at better music at than it. 98% you know of people <laughs> ever. They made, right. Listening to this album <laughs> made me be like, holy shit, for as great as I've ever thought Q-Tip was, I might have been underrating him. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what this album made me think about. Was just how and, good Q Tip is. Holy shit! And be clear, I don't love Low End Theory. So, and I'm one of the people, but I still, but I, I get it. You know, I, I yeah. get it. So, go but ahead. But ba- back to y- your point about uh, tricks, right? Like, I, I think you, you, you made a, a salient point. Like, I think, you know, some of the things that they tried to do as tricks, and maybe they were better tricks in '91. But like, a good example is Peas Porridge, right? Mm-hmm. We all like that song. I really like that song. It's probably my favorite song on yeah. here. But like the, the stutter rap trick where it's like right like it worked it worked for me in minute one yeah it may have even worked for me in minute two by minute four i was like i don't give a fuck about this anymore and i feel like i feel like a q-tip would have him you know he he would have done it on the first verse and then you know maybe you know they they would have done it on the second verse and then they wouldn't have done it anymore i left my wallet and else the gun doing and then they would have moved on to something else, yeah. right? Um, and and I think that's just like an artistic decision where and and uh, again, right? Hip hop was way more repetitive in '91. It was. Like we have a much shorter attention span than we did back then. Yeah. But those are some some things that I think that like could could have improved. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, we don't have time to really go through track for track lowlights because I do ha- I do have some and I have some medlights that I wouldn't mind talking about, but it's probably not that. That that important, uh, Panama. I believe you have to you have to get out of here, right? I do, I do, I do. Got to get out of here pretty yeah. soon. Okay. Well, uh, any any uh, last thoughts on the on this episode before we close it out? Yeah, I. You know, it's funny because this album. You know, I know why it was the album that really got. This is probably the album that probably most turned me into a hip hop head. Mm. You know, because I didn't really get into Tribe till much, much later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I was definitely an NWA fan, like those things. But this album, you mentioned Prince Paul's Imagination. And this album definitely helped me unlock an imagination mm. hip-hop-wise mm-hmm. about, like, it really got me into understanding sampling in a way that that NWA didn't, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't listen to Niggas for Life or FO4 Zagging, depending on how you want to say it, and think, <laughs> wow, I need to know what those samples are. I didn't think about that at all. Right. This album made me wonder what it is that I'm listening to and how this stuff got created. You know, and it it, it it didn't happen immediately, but over time I really started to get into it. And um, you know, for all the criticisms that I have, and there are there are fair criticisms of it, I genuinely still enjoy what this album gave to me and because of the memory that I have attached to it like yep. it really will always hold that place for me like yeah it there's no way this is ever going to be an album where any of the criticisms are going to overtake what I got out of this album <laughs> oh, yeah. because of how much I love certain records where I was when I got it yeah the the path it sent me on yes, you know bro. that kind of stuff like and you know that's one of the good things about music right like it can it can do that for you it can mm-hmm. take you it can turn you into somebody with a song and it turns you into a person that you are 30 years later. Right. And I'm still here with this album. I still listen to it and still feel those warm and fuzzies that made me stop on that bus in 91. Like, what am I listening to? Can I can I listen to this the whole way? Right. So I really love that I have an album that I feel that strongly about that really helped. So like, and it's interesting to think of this is the this is that album. This is the album for me that really kind of, you know, like when I go back and think about it mentally, like, damn, this is interesting. Like, 
but that makes sense because of the 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 type of sampling and all. This is the type of shit that I love, right? Yeah. When I'm listening to DJ Shadow records and he's layering 75 damn samples on top of shit, <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is this is exactly it. This is what I. This is you know. So yeah. it's it makes sense that this is where that started at, you know, yeah. for me. So that's so I always love for those reasons. That's so interesting that you you made the D- DJ Shadow uh, point, and and I'm I'm not gonna keep you here forever, but because I feel like where your ear is conditioned, like it, it kind of just figures out like like how you hear things and how you like things. So for example, like when I first fell in love with hip hop, it was it was, you know, Dr. Train Snoop Dogg, right? So it's like this laid back Cali swing, wide open shit. And so, you know, when I heard Timbaland and Timbaland had these beats, these sparse beats that did amazing things with negative space, I loved it. Right. Whereas like certain people that, you know, public enemy condition their ear they're like what the fuck is this like what is all this space right. i don't like this shit you know what i mean so it's just interesting <laughs> cool get that well i don't have anything else to uh to, to, to say about the album other than i appreciate uh this conversation i appreciate that you sent us the album so that we can listen to it and sure. uh you know i appreciate that you reached out to us to record this because i know how important this album is to you so thank you i, yeah. I feel honored to have uh had this conversation with you. Listen, I wouldn't rather have this convo with any two other, to any <laughs> other hip hop heads. And I mean that from the heart. Like I genuinely, I say this every time I'm here, but I love y'all podcast, but like, Appreciate I it, like man. the music conversations that we have. I know it's always going to be entertaining in some way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you know, we, we are all have our takes. Yinka keeps us all in line when we need to be kept in line. You know what I mean? Like, when we start saying ridiculous things. I was uh, just trying to be the guardrails because my man Common was getting <laughs> slandered. But yeah, but I appreciate, I, I genuinely appreciate y'all. And I'm glad, you know, my first thought was y'all when I was like, this is an album worth talking about. So appreciate you, know. you, bro. We definitely got to get you on for, uh, for another one very soon. So we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate y'all. All right, I think that should wrap it up for uh, De La So Is Dead. Peace. Peace. This is the styling for a title that sounds silly, but nothing silly but the trifling times of Millie. Millie, a Brooklyn queen originally from Philly, complete with an accent that made us sound hillbilly. Around this time, the slamming drug was milk is chilling. But even cooler was my social worker, Dylan. Yeah, I had a social worker, cause I had some trouble. Anyone who ripped on me, I popped it, don't like bubble. He'd bring me to his crib to watch my favorite races. That's how his daughter Millie became one of my favorite faces. She had the curves that make you wanna take chances. I mean, a her man, I love to make advances. I guess her father must have got the same feeling. I mean, actually finding his own daughter Millie appealing. At the time, no one knew, but it was a shame that Millie became a victim of the touchy-touchy game. Yo, Millie, what's the problem lately? You've been bugging. On your dookie earring, someone must be tugging. You were a dancer who could always be found clubbing. Now you're worried now with the frown you're lugging. Come to think your face would stink when deals around you. He's your father, what then happened? Did he ground you? You shouldn't flip on him, cause Gil is really cool. Matter of fact, the coolest seller in the school. He hooked up a trip to bring us all the laces. He volunteered to play on Santa Claus and Macy's. Child, you got the best pops anyone could have. Dylan's cool, super hip, you should be glad. Yeah, it seemed that Santa's ways was parallel with Dylan. But when Millie and him got home, he was more of a villain. While she slept.
Millie tried real hard to let this hell not happen, but when she fussed, he would just commence the 